This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Our vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified veterinary emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I'm really excited because we're going to be speaking with Dr. Lindsay Bullen. She is one of 100 board-certified veterinary nutritionists in the world, so she is one of the leading experts when it comes to feeding your dog or cat. We'll be right back after these messages. As a veterinarian, I want you to keep your dog as healthy and happy as possible. That's why I'm a huge advocate of Rockwell's Pets Pro Probiotics. Probiotics are used to help stabilize and strengthen the intestinal flora. They have a lot of positive effects on the entire body system. Simply sprinkle the desired amount on your dog's food and it can help boost the immune system, treat diarrhea and constipation, restore gut health, and lower cholesterol levels. Plus, it's vet recommended, made in the U.S., and comes with a money-back guarantee. For more information, go to rockwellpetspro.com. That's rockwellpetspro.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. ER Vet and Pet Life Radio. Really honored to have Dr. Lindsay Bullen, a board-certified veterinary nutritionist, back on for part two. You know, there are so many questions we were getting when it comes to feeding your dog and cat, and so I wanted to bring her back. Now, Dr. Bullen, I know you're really passionate about making sure that our dogs and cats are fed appropriately but also the right amount. And, you know, I saw that recent statistic from Banfield and so many studies out there saying that there's a growing prevalence of obesity. Now, a couple of questions. First of all, why are we seeing so much obesity in our dogs and cats in North America when it doesn't feel like a lot of pet owners will say, but I'm only feeding one cup twice a day. Why is he overweight? Well, first, let me thank you so much again for having me. It's truly a privilege to come back and speak to your wonderful followers. And hopefully the first one was super helpful to everybody. Now, to answer your question, I think it's multifactorial, and I'm sure your your followers are used to hearing me say that a lot, but there's a lot of things that go into this. First, you hit the nail on the head. Obesity is the most prevalent form of malnutrition in developed countries, which is pretty astounding. And as a veterinary professional, we have actually seen these pets go from, you know, nice and an ideal ideal body condition score, you know, in the forties, fifties, when everybody was outside and, and had a job, <laughs> a job, so to speak for animals. And, you know, as the time has passed, the prevalence of obesity has increased and increased and increased to the point where the majority of our patients now are actually overweight to obese, which is crazy. And so, you know, some of the things that can lead into that is, you know, just pet parents not knowing that different diets have different calorie amounts. So for example, you know, if a pet has been on a particular product for many years in their life and then develops an illness and they switch products, they might feed the same amount. 
but that cup might have more calories than their last diet did. And so unbeknownst to the pet parent who's doing everything that they can, they're you know unknowingly feeding more calories. Now, the other thing that we're seeing a lot right now, especially during the pandemic, when I don't know what's happening here, but I feel busier than I've ever been, you know, and, and we're not supposed to even be going out, is pet parents, myself included, are giving more treats to our pets. So we find that we have less time to interact, to to take them for runs and walks and play ball. And if they're cats, you know, play with a feather or laser pointer, whatever it may be, our lives are more hectic now than they've ever been. And so to show our affection to our pets, we're giving them more treats. And honestly, that's what the majority of these obese cases boils down to. So when you get that, you know, that that client, or um, if you are that client, you know, pet parents out there that are like, but I only feed my dog, you know, one cup a day or or two cups a day. Try to think about how many treats throughout the day we're actually giving. In reality, treats should not account for more than about 10% of the calories that they get in a day. And again, those calories have to be an appropriate amount to maintain, but not gain that weight, right? And so that is one of the biggest things that causes obesity, at least where we can see here is what I call overgrociosis, just too many calories and too many treats. And treats can be mis- you know, very misleading. One of those bully sticks or you know, a, a chew bone or a rawhide, every inch is packed full of calories in the form of fat. So really important to talk to your vet about what treats are best for your pet and to help guide them, show them the back of the nutrition uh, adequacy claim on the bag to try to figure out how many calories your pet should have from treats per day so hard because we really do love our dogs and cats by feeding them treats. And again, really important, less than 10%, or you need to make sure that you're calculating and working with your vet on the number of calories that your dog or cat should be eating. Now, one common mistake that I see dog and cat owners making is they're feeding based on what their pet weighs, according to the directions on the back of the bag. And they're like, he's not losing weight. So oftentimes we'll see a hundred pound golden retriever come in and they're truly feeding them for a hundred pound dog. What's the big mistake with doing this? So one really important thing to keep in mind is that the feeding guidelines on the back of commercial products often overestimates what our pets should be getting. And it's not, you know, in my opinion and point of view, some nefarious scheme by any means, but it's because it's really challenging to encompass every single body size and body weight for the entire pet population. Now, cats are a little bit you know, easier because in general, cats tend to have very similar body sizes, body styles. You know, Obviously, you'll get the larger breeds like the Maine Coons and the Bengals that are genetically going to be bigger, but dogs can be anywhere from one pound all the way up to 150 or 200 pounds. And can you imagine how many guidelines, how big that would be on the back of a pet food label if they had to account for every single body weight? So instead, what they have to do is lump it together and say, okay, if it's less than five pounds, feed about this much. If it's five to 10, feed about this much, you know, and so on and so forth. And, you know, so any pet that is within that range, we have to keep in mind, just like people, pets are individuals. Our calorie needs are going to be based on our age, our reproductive status, how active we are. If we have a job, if we're a performance or a work animal, things like that, or, you know, if we just have a slow metabolism, which is totally fine. It happens to all of us at some point. And so the back of the bag is a great place to start. So is your veterinarian. Your veterinarian can help calculate, but we have to try to make sure that our pets have, you know, 
ribs that are easy to touch. You shouldn't be able to see them, but you should easily be able to feel them. They have a nice waist, a little hourglass figure. If you look at them from the side, you should see a beautiful abdominal tuck. Now cats are hard because they've got that little floaty waddle, but that's just the skin. That's not necessarily, you know, their abdomen really important to try to maintain an ideal body weight. And if you're starting at the back of the bag and they're gaining a little weight, it's okay to drop them back. And again, it's okay to talk to your vet, make sure that, you know, they're on the right diet for how active they are. But really important thing to keep in mind here, multiple studies have shown that if a pet maintains an ideal body weight, they will live significantly longer. And also the quality of life will be significantly better because there's less pain on their joints and they're less likely to develop chronic diseases that are associated with obesity. So I get it. I'm a pet parent and a human parent too. You know, I show my love by treats as well, but it might be a shorter lifespan. If I can keep, you know, my pets nice and thin, I'll be able to enjoy, you know, some good quality time with them a lot longer. Now I will also attest, I was shocked when my newborn was born and as he got bigger and was throwing things off the high chair and we had so much food wastage, uh, we were letting our dog lick our plate, you know, lick the kid's plate and eat a lot of the leftover food. And, you know, I usually bring my dog into the clinic only once a month. And I put him on the scale uh, probably when my child was about one and I was like 67 pounds. <laughs> He's normally a 59 pound dog. And I will say as a Minnesotan, it is normal for both humans and pets to gain maybe a little bit more weight in the winter because we're not quite as active, but we're super active in the summer. And so really important, especially if you have young ones in the house who are giving those extra treats that we be cognizant of that. I purposely feel my dog's ribs once a week because I will sometimes adjust the food if I'm taking him out for massive hikes, long Frisbee episodes where I'm exercising him when I'm running with him more versus cut back more in the winter. So please make sure to do that. I always joke if a random stranger comes up to you, especially if you have a Labrador retriever and they say, your dog's so skinny, he's probably in perfect body condition. We're just so used to seeing obese pets. And I can't reiterate what Dr. Bullen is saying. We know based on studies, skinnier dogs live longer and they have way less osteoarthritis. And it's osteoarthritis that is one of the top reasons why I have to sadly euthanize dogs in the veterinary ER because they can't get up, they can't walk, they need, you know, $6,000 bilateral ACL surgery. And so even though it's tough love, the best way you can love your pet is by keeping them skinnier. Now, Dr. Bullen, you probably get asked this all the time. How do you pick the best pet food for your dog or cat? Loaded question, Dr. Lee. <laughs> so I think one of the most important things that hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm getting across here today is that every pet is a unique individual. And so you're not going to hear from me that X is the best diet because that isn't accurate. It's not, uh, you know, it's not something that I can do, but what I can tell you is that the diets that are appropriate for the life stage. So that means if your animal is, you know, a growing puppy or a growing kitten, or let's say they're reproducing, that is going to be a really important thing to keep in mind. Puppies and kittens need to be on puppy and kitten food respectively. If an animal is a breeding animal, it is recommended that that pet be on a diet that's been formulated for reproduction. And you can find this information on what is called the nutrition adequacy claim on the back of complete and balanced pet foods. If your pet is no longer reproducing, if they are done with their growth stage, then that fits them into the maintenance category. And as I said, every pet is unique. And so it might be super active maintenance, in which case 
you know, a sport or performance diet might be a good option. Or, you know, if they're kind of a couch potato, like my current dog, then they might need a little light option, you know, something like that. And so, you know, the best diets for any individual are going to be those that come from reputable manufacturers, those that have a dedicated nutrition department with multiple specialists, you know, on staff that emphasize it's nutrition is the primary focus of these diets. But don't get me wrong, every pet food company is going to have a marketing, you know, group and marketing is important, but really you want to make sure that these pet foods are developed for the pet in mind with nutrition, you know, as the key component. And then for me, you know, personally, I really want to use a pet product that has been tested that I know has really really optimal and stellar quality control. And you know, obviously I'm an academic, so I'd really like it if the manufacturers that I purchase from participate in active and peer-reviewed research. And so, you know, for our pet parents that are like, gosh, there's not an answer there. What I can tell you is there's a really wonderful website that we alluded to on the first part called the petnutritionalliance.org. And they've helped ask all of these hard questions for us. They did a study called Dare to Ask. And you can actually go in and type in the manufacturer that you're interested in. And it published responses that this group got from each of the manufacturers. Now, one thing I can tell you is that just because there's no comment or no response, that doesn't mean they're not doing that, but it does mean that they, you know, didn't give an answer when the study was being provided. And so that can be really helpful because choosing a diet, it's very personal. You know, a lot of us have our own feelings and personal beliefs associated with different types of, you know, manufacturing or production, organic versus not organic, you know, this, that, and the other. That's very personal. Um, but at least that website can really, really help us determine, you know, who has what in terms of nutritionist, quality control, and always feel comfortable talking to your veterinarian. They are a wealth of information, a wonderful resource to start. And, you know, if for some reason they don't have all the answers, because don't get me wrong, most of us don't have all the answers. They at least know who to reach out to. Um, someone such as myself, a board and nutritionist, or one of my wonderful colleagues that you can find at acvn.org. Really, really helpful to helping you find the best diet for your pets. Great information. We're going to take a short commercial break and we'll be right back after these messages. As a veterinarian, I want you to keep your dog as healthy and happy as possible. After all, our dogs reward us with fun, laughs, love, and a ton of affection. Well, what better way to reward your dog's loving companionship with Rockwell's Pets Pro Natural Dog Vitamins? These vitamins help provide a powerful fusion of amino acids, trace minerals, vitamins, digestive enzymes, aloe vera, and glucosamine, which helps support a healthy canine metabolism and promotes a strong immune system. Plus, they're 100% satisfaction guaranteed and produced in the United States. Help give your dog a healthy skin coat, healthy hips and joints, and immune support. For more information, go to rockwellpetspro.com. That's rockwellpetspro.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Really excited to be speaking with Dr. Bullen again about the importance of nutrition. Now, if you haven't already checked out our previous episode, we had talked about grain-free and whether or not dogs and cats need to be on it. We talked about 
cats and whether or not they can eat carbs. Yes, they can. We talked about the importance of consulting with a board-certified veterinary nutritionist and your veterinarian when it comes to feeding your dog or cat. And we talked about the controversial topic of raw food. In today's episode, we've been talking about obesity and how much we love to love our pets by feeding them more. But remember, it's slowly killing them. We know skinnier dogs and cats live longer. And who doesn't want their dog and cat to live longer? You know, this is based off of Purina study and dogs on average lived 1.4 years longer than dogs that were overweight. And if I could get even a couple of weeks or months or years with my dog and cat, of course I want him to live longer. We've talked about how to pick the best pet food. We talked about when it's important to talk to your vet about food. Now, Dr. Bolin, don't kill me, but I'm going to share my general rules for when it comes to picking a dog food. It's really from two to three simple rules. And my three rules are, is it has to be a research-based, credible company. And the main reason why is because I want to make sure that these pet food companies have the research to test the food to make sure there's no poisonous mycotoxins or dangerous chemicals within them. The second reason why that's so important is because they have the board-certified nutritionists, researchers, PhDs, the experts in nutrition. My second rule is if your dog poops more than twice a day, it's too much. So my simple rule is I want your dog defecating less than twice a day. If they're humongous poops the size of your dog's head, it's probably too much. So my general rule is less than two poops a day. And my third rule is they have to have a good coat. If their coat looks great, they're pooping less than twice a day. It's from a research-based pet food. That's how I pick my general rules for dog food. And I will say I have fed all different types and all different brands of food. The biggest thing is I make sure it's credible, it's research-based, it's backed by a science-based company. My dog's coat looks good. He's pooping less than two times a day, and it's not on the FDA recall list, or it's never been on the FDA recall list. So really important. Now, one area I wanted to talk to you about is the supplement industry in human medicine is a multi-billion dollar industry. And I don't want to talk too much about vitamins and supplements, but in general, how do I know if I need to add or supplement my dog or cat with vitamins or supplements on top of their food? Yeah. So excellent, excellent question. It, it can be really challenging because as a pet parent, you know, a lot of us want to be intimately involved in what we're putting, you know, in our pets' bodies. And the marketing of some of these supplements is really, really remarkable. You know, give your pet this and their teeth will never, you know, get plaque or, or give your pet this and their poop won't stink or whatever it is. You know, there's a lot of really good marketing out there. I tell you what, you get me a supplement where my dog's poop doesn't stink. Let me know, please. Cause I haven't found that one yet. But, you know, the truth is kind of the bare bones of it. If a pet is on a complete and balanced diet from one of uh, Dr. Lee's reputable manufacturers that participates in research, then it is strongly unlikely that they would need any sort of vitamin and mineral supplement. Complete means that it has all of the essential nutrients. Balanced means that those nutrients are in the appropriate concentrations 
and equally importantly, proportions. And so adding extra supplements on top can actually imbalance what their diet is providing them. So that would not be recommended. Now, if going back to Dr. Lee's you know, recommendations, the coat doesn't look good, they might need a supplement. But I would always recommend talking to your veterinarian about what could be the problem because the problem absolutely could be dietary, but it could also be parasitic. It could also be allergies. You know, there's a lot of things that can affect the coat. And before, you know, we take matters into our own hands, personally, I I would not give my children a supplement without first talking to the pediatrician. So too, the recommendation is let's not give a supplement without talking to the doctors, because the truth is not all supplements are benign. Some of them absolutely can have some negative pretty serious consequences. Some of them can actually interfere negatively with medications, for example, as well. And some of them are just downright harmful. So really important to feel comfortable talking with your veterinarian about it to double check, you know, before we start something new. And then the other thing, as Dr. Lee said, is, is the poop. You know, if their poop is looking good and their skin looks good and they enjoy their food, probably don't need any extra supplements. Now, when they start, you know, getting older, if they develop any sort of diseases, well, the metabolism changes. Good thing is there's a lot of diets available for specific diseases. Again, talk to your vet. Uh, But in some cases, your veterinarian might preemptively start recommending supplements to help with certain deficiencies or losses um, associated with disease states. But in general, you know, a normal, happy, healthy pet that is young and vibrant and on a good quality diet probably doesn't need any sort of vitamin or mineral supplement on top of it. All right. Great information. Now, I just wanted to conclude, what are some of the top mistakes you see dog and cat owners making when it comes to pet food? I think one of the the biggest challenges I see pet parents face, we've already discussed a little bit, is just how much to feed. You know, um, a cup is a cup is a cup, except for when it isn't, which is always in pet food. (laughs) Um, The other thing is actually measuring, you know, so when we take a look at the back of a pet food label and it gives feeding guidelines, those amounts are for eight ounce measuring cups. I know a lot of pet parents that use, you know, different size cups, big gulp cups, coffee cups, their toddler sippy cups, all of those have different quantities. So really important to note when we're measuring things out that it be, you know, eight ounces, eight fluid ounces, which is dictated on the back of the bag. I think, you know, something else that I've noticed um, for whatever reason is that pet parents maybe feel less comfortable talking to their veterinarians about food and about diet. I hope that it isn't a trust issue. You know, hopefully their veterinarians, they have a good relationship and have their trust, but it could also be because all of this marketing is, is in our faces, right? I mean, I see it every day. I hear it on the radio. I see it when I watch Hulu with my kids, you know, um, or, or whatever we're doing at the time, but it's, it's everywhere. And so, you know, and, and the truth is, I firmly believe that everybody wants to do right by pets. I really, really do. And so when a complete stranger or the 15-year-old who works in the pet store, you know, offers friendly advice, really, it should be taken at face value. You know, does this 15-year-old probably have the experience and the credentials to be making these recommendations? Probably not, unless they're an idiot savant type thing. <laughs> but the truth is, you know, veterinary professionals are wealths of information. And, you know, a lot of people feel maybe a little shy um, about being honest about what they're feeding, about what they're doing. But, you know, if they're trying to do what's best for their pets, really, really important to talk to your vet about it. Really, really important things to do. And the last mistake I think I see a lot, or not necessarily mistake, or um, just something that we can work on together is treats. You know, not every treat calorie is going to be identical. And as you said, you know, a lot of us show love with treats. 
but I promise there are multiple other ways to show love to our pets without adding to their waistline because they might thank it for us initially, but they're not going to thank us for it, you know, five years from now. Fantastic tips. I think the most important takeaways, make sure to use a real measuring cup, right? And the important thing, talk to your veterinarian about it. Talk to a board certified veterinary nutritionist. And again, that website is acvn.org. You want to look for those extra letters behind the veterinarian's name. So it usually says D-A-C-V-N. That means it's a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Nutrition. These are the leading experts in biochemistry, in metabolism, in nutrition, in all the important mineral and salt balances when it comes to the intricacies of feeding our dogs and cats. Dr. Bullen, thank you so much for joining us today. Great information. Where can pet owners find you if they have questions or want to do a consult? Any last websites you want to leave with us? Dr. Lee, thank you so much for having me again. Truly, truly a privilege and an honor to be speaking with everybody today. As Dr. Lee said, you know, if you are more comfortable working with a nutritionist in your area, the ACVN website is a wonderful place to go. Also has some really great information there as well. But if you're interested in working with me and my team, you can find us at nutrition.vshcarolinas at bluepearlvet.com. That's our email address. Go ahead and reach out to us. We do work by referral only, but we're happy to reach out to your veterinarian to get all of the records and the referral form needed so that we can work as a team and as a family approach to help get your pet's nutrition optimized. Thank you, Dr. Bullen. I should also mention Dr. Bullen's one of a hundred veterinary nutritionists that are board certified in the world. So you really are hearing from the experts. Again, go to acvn.org for more information. And you can also find more information uh, directly at her clinic website. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com on Facebook or Instagram at drjustinelee or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time. And Dr. Bullen, I just wanted to give you a huge shout out and thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. I also wanted to give a huge shout out to Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. If you enjoy these podcasts, please take the time to write a five-star review and we'll see you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.